baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. But Apple's going to allow iPhone users to repair their own iPhones. Don't scoop yourself. We started the segment. Oh, hey. Trisha's here. This is Ryan Ryan Wiggins. Hi, I'm Ryan Wiggins. Uh, I shouldn't have said that because you already know that. Uh, And I'm just talking to you. Nobody else in here, just me and you talking. How's it going? Hey, um, great. How's Um, it going with you? Great, great. Uh, What's the story that you were going to bring? Because it wasn't that one. I don't remember. It was the one about Putin. I think it the the one where the tree <laughs> fell in Hollywood. No, no, that's it's causing a lot of problems. Read the headline of that just to be sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, falling tree causes problems in Hollywood. <laughs> Whoa! I know, right? That sounds like some problems. I know they can't figure out what caused it to fall. <laughs> There's like a power line down. It's a whole. Who's gonna get rid of this tree? It's a whole debacle. It, it really is just a tree. That's the. Story. It's not a redwood or something. I mean, I thought maybe, oh, this huge tree fell and it's you know it's blocking traffic across four lanes or something. No, it did crush a few parked cars and take out a power pole. It's it was just, a large tree. This is a stupid story. It wasn't any kind of sacred tree. Nobody died. <laughs> my, that's, that's good to know because my next question was, was it a sacred tree? <laughs> the fire department is. The fire department. Everybody went out there force. and go, yeah, what are you going to do about this tree? It's <laughs> it's unclear what caused the tree to fall. The, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and the question is, have you ever had a brush with a falling tree? <laughs> <laughs> we need to put together a task force at the federal level. People put, need to know. Put about 20 to 25 million into that task force. Find out what happened with the We're tree. We're laughing, but I actually did almost get crushed by a tree branch a couple years ago. Oh, don't say that. Yeah, now. it was terrible. So now we've I got these bad. giant. I know. Thank you. Trauma. Mm-hmm. We've got these giant trees in our yard and they fall down. <laughs> the limbs fall down a lot. And my dog and I were outside in an area in the yard and then we walked away. And I'm not even kidding you. Not 30 seconds later, this giant like human sized branch fell right in the spot we were standing. Did it look like a human? Yep. Was it a human? Did, did the tree branch get up and run away? What see what happened was the squirrels took a body up there and then dropped it. Oh, so it was a dead human. Yeah. Okay. So it dropped, you know, the squirrels dropped it. Whatever. Corpse. It was scary though. I'm sure it was. You would have I'm not making me. light of it. You mm. Are you gonna talk about the Putin thing or not? Sure. All right. Go ahead. Segway. Segway. Putin issues threat to the rest of the world. Have you heard about this yet? Yes. Has everybody else heard about this What's yet? What's the threat? I don't know. He's always doing this, which is undermining your point. Because I think your point is that this is different. This is different. Go ahead then. All right. Tell me how. Russian President Vladimir Putin has issued another threat, and this time it's to the rest of the world. Putin says that if any country interferes with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the act will be met with a, quote, lightning fast response. If someone intends to intervene into the ongoing events from the outside and creates unacceptable strategic threats for us, then they should know that our response to those strikes will be swift, lightning fast, Putin says. We have all the tools for this, ones that no one can brag about, and we won't brag. We will use them if needed, 
and I want everyone to know this. Why, I, why does that sound any different to you than anything else he's ever said? Does it scare you? No. It makes me think that he's panicking a little bit. Oh, I see. Not the angle I thought you were going with. No, it, it makes for for me to hear him come out and not specify what tools and make these veiled threats. It makes me think that things aren't going the way he thought they were going to. And he's coming out and saying, you better back up or else. And kind of. OK, so like the fist waving. So painted into a corner and then he's just starting to swing. Yes. OK, I could see that. Do you think that we're nearing an end to this war? You think it's a signal of it, maybe, though? Maybe. I think it's a signal that he is panicking a bit. Here's what's weird. The ruble, the Russian currency, Mm -hmm. is at a two-year high right now. So the other news that happened this week regarding Russia is that, and this didn't make much news. I thought it was very, very interesting. Four European nations basically capitulated and started using the ruble to trade to buy gas from them again because they need it so badly. So... I, get, I mean, hate to say Trump was right again, but this is the stuff he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. You're putting yourself in a bad situation. Now they're in a bad situation. They're having to do this. Well, that's dr- driving because Russia will only sell their gas and oil in rubles because it tanks so bad after all the san- sanctions. You know, their, their economy was in shambles for like a week, but it's come back. So now they're only selling in rubles. You can't buy them in dollars like you used to. The ruble has gone back up. They've attached it to gold again, so it's got a gold standard on it, and they're only selling their products in rubles. They're they're back. I mean, I hate to say it, but the sanctions have sort of backfired, and not only have they, in a sense, I'm not saying they haven't worked entirely, because you've really isolated Russia, but that's kind of the opposite, equal opposite point, too. You've isolated Russia. Now they're on their own. They're using their own currency. They're not dependent on anybody else anymore as much as they were or they're dependent on our enemies more like China, although India, I don't know if you put them in the enemy category, I wouldn't. But they're buying a ton of Russian oil, and they're using rubles to do it. It's a weird situation where you go, uh, all the stuff we said could happen it's that happening. could backfire, that's kind of happening. Now, that doesn't mean that the sanctions were all bad or that we shouldn't have done any of it, but you just get the sense that Biden... Or whoever's controlling the White House, if it's not Joe Biden, doesn't see these things. Or doesn't think the extra few steps ahead. Well, yes. To your point. Yeah. They're not seeing like, oh, if we do this, problem solved, as opposed to thinking this could lead to this, could lead to this. Exactly. And then although our one thing is maybe working the way we planned, everything else is yeah. going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Have you ever really been afraid, though, as an American, especially in middle America, of the threat of nuclear war, I mean, at all, but specifically from Putin in the last month? No, I've lived a very sheltered, privileged life. I've been very blessed to never have to think about it. We were talking about, uh, what was it, last week we were talking about food shortages the week mm-hmm. before, and how I hear those things and I think, eh. For somebody else. Yeah. No, I agree. Because when they talk about food shortages, it's one of those things that even when we have guests on to talk about those kinds of things, what they say is real. I'm not disputing the fact that there could be food shortages. I just think, and this is going to sound super arrogant, but it's the truth. We as Americans, we're the richest. We're at the top. We'll probably be sheltered from that. You're going to see 
poorer nations hit harder by that quicker than us. So that doesn't mean there's not food shortages. It just means that our mind always goes to, what about me in a food shortage? And I just don't think we're going to get there. There's a lot of conservative pundits that will disagree with me and are very alarmist about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I don't take that stuff seriously and that there won't be major disruptions to everything. There already have been, and it could get worse. I just am of the camp that I don't like to grab those things. My mind doesn't go to fear instantly of those things. It goes to practically, how is this going to play out? Is it the same for nuclear war? Kind of. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm right in doing that. I think I said that when we were talking about it before. I don't know that I'm I'm correct in doing that. I'm just fortunate enough that I don't feel that level of anxiety when yeah. these things come up. Well, our, our leaders in America right now, White House, legislative branch leaders, mostly cabinet people, are saying things like, we need to be taking nuclear war more seriously. I mean, they're actively going out and doing press briefings on this to get this out there. I don't think they think that's a talking point in the same way that so many political things are. That Oh, well, let's try to get this narrative out there. I think they're actually that afraid of nuclear war. And they're, they're trying to warn everybody so that they can be on record as warning everybody. I just don't think it's that real based on one fact and that is that for four years, nothing happened between Russia and Ukraine when Donald Trump was in office. And the reason for that, at least that what he says is the reason for that, is because he told Putin, if you do anything, we'll take out Moscow. Quote, unquote, take out Moscow. Don't know what that means. And I think he probably specifically said it that way so that he didn't have anything attached to it. Not nuclear, whatever, whatever that means. It could have meant anything. But for four years... He took that seriously. Putin did. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't that he was trying to preserve the Russian way of life and he was trying to preserve his economy and things. It was that he was afraid. I think he personally was afraid this will mess up my dynasty and my life and maybe my power. And now he's not afraid to do that. But if he were to attack anybody with a nuclear weapon or really anybody outside of Ukraine, that does threaten him again. Therefore, I don't think we're at any, we should be afraid of that at all. I just don't think that'll happen. I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather it not happen. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Yeah, I was, is that that, the that's question? what I was getting to, is is do you want nuclear war or not? Nah, I'm good. <clears throat> okay. All Thank right. you, though. Can I tell you a joke that my son told me the other day? Please. So he tells me this joke out of the blue. No context. He just goes, Dad, and I didn't know it was a joke. He presented like he's four years old. Still doesn't say his awes really well, so it's very cute. He said, Dad, why was Joe Biden in the hospital? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Now, I work in news, so I'm pretty sure I didn't miss this. But did something happen in the last five minutes that I didn't know that somehow you (laughs) found out about? My four-year-old is informing me of. (laughs) Yeah. I said, uh, I don't think he's in the hospital, buddy. But to indulge him, I thought, he seems to be going somewhere. I don't know why. Okay, well, why why was Joe Biden in the hospital? And he goes, he couldn't stop Putin. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. And I'm like, wow. He is your child. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Apparently, some girl, while he was at my parents, who who watch him on Mondays and Fridays, uh, some girls came to the door and were having a joke off. They were all about 11 years old, and two of them had non- political jokes and one of them that was her joke and my kid heard that joke and has been repeating it ever since love it i do too (laughs) thanks for being here wiggins america more in just a minute 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. 97.1 FM Talk, Wiggins America, in the second hour here. Thanks for being here. So I found this topic to be very, very fascinating. It is one in which we look at different Senate candidates across the country and determine what their partisan lean is in a very, very unique way. Harleen Carr, she is the uh, co-founder of Ground News on the phone with us. Explain how this works, Harleen. Uh, Sure, Ryan. Firstly, thanks for having me and uh, really excited about speaking with you about this tool that we are calling Blind Spotter Tool. Uh, And and this is part of a whole bunch of tools and products that we offer at Ground News. Uh, What this tool does is you can simply type in anybody's Twitter handle and it'll give you the news diet of what they are consuming. So in this case, we ran one of a kind analysis uh, that we dropped in dropped in Twitter handles of all the Senate uh, candidates into it and then saw that the news that they interact with, that is retweet, reply, or like, what, where are those leanings and just get the, get the divvy up of do the news, uh, do the news that they consume lean light, right, left, what percentages. So, yeah. so pretty neat tool. So the, the Senate candidates, based on who they follow on Twitter and especially news outlets that they follow, that would determine that is correct. You know, who, who they are, where they are at maybe ideologically. So let's look at some of these marquee races across the country. How about Pennsylvania first? Let's look at, uh, you know, everybody knows Dr. Oz is in there. How does he lean and compared to the rest of the field in Pennsylvania? Yeah, so let me pull that up pretty quickly for you. Sure, and we're going to get to Missouri here too, but I wanted to wait for that one because that that one's the one that's going to be on, on all of our minds, and I want to I want to wait for that one. Let's get to the, so the marquee races first. So we have Connor Lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first candidate that we have, and Connor's news results: forty eight percent left, forty two percent center, and ten percent right. So again. Being, uh, and he's a Democrat. Being a Democrat, yeah. that's exactly right. So almost 50% left-leaning news, and then rest-centrist, and then very little, uh, very little light. Right. So uh, again, in line, as you said, with the ideological, um, ideological breakdown. Next is John Fetterman, who is also a de- Democrat, and his news is even more left. Uh, which is around 65% left and right is almost non-existent. So he just majority uh, interacts with left and center-leaning news. Dr. Oz, who you just spoke at, he is, I think, one of the surprising ones in terms of uh, their results. He's, he's, he interacts with 61% left-leaning news mm. and 31% right. So and he interacts a lot with New York Times, for example, which is interesting. So again, um, the tr- overall trend is that actually the Republican candidates, uh, what we are seeing, have a more diverse news diet, is what we are calling it, mm. rather than just, just the. Yeah. Harleen, you're from Ground News, co-founder of Ground News. Just summarize that for me, because you said that, and I, I want to dig into that just a little bit more. You said that generally mm-hmm. speaking, Democrats tend to follow left-leaning news, at least more than right-leaning news, but. Rep- that is- 
but Republicans tend to, across the board, follow more diverse news outlets. Is that right? So it's not just following. So one with one, one little correction, they interact more okay. with a more diverse news site as opposed to Democrats that fall, uh, that interact with uh, more uh, majority left and majority center news diet. So again, our thesis is that uh, that people need to get out of their their ideological uh, echo chambers, mm-hmm. and the only way you can do that is interact with a wider variety of news sources, uh, which seems to be that Republican candidates, at least based on our analysis, seem to be doing more than Democratic candidates are. Very, very interesting. Let's talk about one more candidate who I think is uh, one of the biggest names in the country running for Senate soon. Before we get to Missouri, because I really want to dig into Missouri here in a minute, but Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio yes. had uh, results that I found to be surprising because he's he's typically a pretty conservative senator, uh, and you That's said, right. but you found that he follows a little more left leaning sites. So yes, forty three percent left, thirty two percent center, twenty five percent. Uh, right. So again, uh, saying that it's not just follow, uh, it's right. he interacts Interact, with a lot right. of articles from Washington Post and New York Times, for example. Um, again, the, the disclaimer here is that he might be criticizing them, but the 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 line with that we are drawing here is that he's at least interacting with them. He at least knows what, what issues that they're covering. So yeah, Mar- Marco Rubio's results is one of the more surprising one out of all the candidates that we did. Okay, Harleen from Ground News, let's get into Missouri here because I want to talk about all these candidates that we're very familiar with here. Um, we'll start yeah. with who is the most conservative as far as who they interact with and who they follow of the Missouri Senate candidates. So Eric Greitens is 82% right, 10 center, and 8 left. So majority right. Okay. Uh, that uh, That is, I guess, in line with what you would have expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Schmidt is the next one you said. Mm-hmm. And that is 57% right and 22% left. So okay. uh, a, a big percentage, not as big as Eric Crichton's, uh, but um, what's this, the next name you said? And then I said Vicki Hartzler or Billy Long, either way. Whichever yes, one's next on your that. list. Yes, Billy Long, uh, 54 right, 25 left, 21 center. So pretty similar so to Eric Schmidt then. That That is correct. Very, very similar to okay. that. You know what? I actually I didn't know if you had Vicky Hartzler because on mm. on the sheet that I'm looking at here that you gave kind of the preliminary results, she wasn't on there. So I didn't know if maybe she. Yeah, I wonder if she does. So one of the reasons she might not be on there, and I will I can double check that for you, uh, uh, is that we might not she might not have interacted with enough number of tweets for mm-hmm. us to be able to say with confidence that that is a sizable data. Yeah. So uh, that might be. That's why we wouldn't have been able to share her results with you. So Harleen Carr is from Ground News. She's the co-founder of, of Ground News. Let me ask you this as we kind of conclude things here. From your from your research here, looking at uh, who different candidates follow and interact with on Twitter, reflecting on possibly their ideological divide, what do you think that says that Republicans are following and interacting more with left-leaning sites and news outlets than Democrats are. Does, is there some sort of big takeaway that we can take from that? Uh, the, the biggest takeaway, again, not ideologically speaking, uh, just looking at the news diet, 
again, we believe at Ground News, the more diverse your news diet is, the more informed you are and less trapped you are in that, in that echo chamber. So at least looking at these results, seems like the Republican candidates, uh, candidates are doing a better job at least looking across the aisle than Democratic candidates are in this case. And maybe there are several reasons for it that Democratic candidates are more satisfied with left-leaning media like New York Times, Washington Post, CNN.com, who we rate all of them as left, uh, whereas the right-leaning candidates, maybe also the other thing, possibility, as I said, could be that they're, they are criticizing these news outlets. As far as we are concerned, they're interacting. Uh, lots of majority of reasons, but then again, uh, the, the, the big take away for me is that at least they're looking across the aisle, at least they're interacting you know, and if they're criticizing. Yeah. And I think it would be good that if Demo- Democrats did the same. If I had to put my own little hypothesis on it as we've been talking, I would I would say maybe it's that left-leaning news like Washington Post, New York Times, CNN tends to dominate the conversation. So, you know, right-leaning <laughs> candidates probably need to follow them a little bit more to see what they're saying, less than left-leaning candidates need to follow right-leaning news because it doesn't drive the conversation as much. But that's just my opinion. No, no, that 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 is a very good reason enough as well, Ryan, why they might be doing that. Harleen, thank you so much for your time this morning. How do people find Ground News if they want to find out more? Uh, thanks for mentioning that. So just ground.news uh, is our web address, and there you'll find a whole host of ways. We have apps and newsletters and all sorts of things that you can get news on, but just ground.news. Harleen Carr, thank you for your time this morning. Ground.news if you want to find out more. Appreciate it. Wiggins America, more coming up. Get more at 971talk.com. Boy, I gotta tell you, this stuff on the border, it is just amazing. It's amazing that we're still talking about it. It's been over a year, and the border has been a problem from day one of this administration. There are a lot of things that, and economically, this would be in that category, that they kind of bleed over, and the effects of policies don't necessarily take place right away. Some of inflation was probably going to happen regardless of who was president just because you shut the economy down entirely. Products go up because you got less of them. If you print that much money, even like we did in 2020 with Trump, stuff's going to go up in price. So some of that was going to happen anyway. But Biden has basically, instead of trying to stitch up the wound, which is what I think Trump would have done, he has grabbed the wound and pulled it open as as wide as he can and then drank the blood (laughs) because hey we gotta say something like that um i mean it's been bad but when you talk about the border it really has been boom day one it's bad it it was under control about as well as you could expect with the laws that we have in place i mean trump got really creative and did things like remain in mexico nobody was talking about doing that and that's been somewhat kept in place you know, he went around the existing law to sort of make sure that those laws were bolstered in the best ways possible. Biden has done the exact opposite, gone around existing law, even like things like Remain in Mexico, which were agreements, not necessarily laws. Um, and, you know, weird things during the COVID era to get around enforcing border laws. So it's been immediate. And they've sent a message to all of Latin America Come here and you will find sanctuary illegally. There's no way for us to uh, make you citizens yet, but I guess that's our goal. And I guess that's the question I'm asking is, do you think it was deliberate or not? Because at first, the first few months, I really thought they were just incompetent. 
I thought, you know, by the summertime, especially because, they, you know, the first few months you remember, they said, oh, this is all seasonal. <laughs> okay. It's still seasonal. Wow. That's a lot of seasons we've gone through. But the longer it's gone on and the worse the problem's gotten, the more surprised I've been that it doesn't look like incompetence and it doesn't look like political gamesmanship. It looks like deliberate miscarriage. It looks like trying to destroy a nation by creating a, a lack of border. There's no, there's no way that we can be sovereign and we can have laws that are different than any other nation if we don't have a border, if, if we don't have, you know, demarcation lines that say, this is where we are, that's where you are. You govern that way, we govern this way, let's see who does better. Well, for a long, long time, a couple centuries now, we've done better. We've been doing things better than everybody else. And we've seen the blessings from that. We've been blessed by that. And now we're getting rid of those lines and saying, we are no different than anyone else. How can we bless anyone else if we are no different than them who have failed? We're trying to be like fail, like failed nations. So anyway, that's a long way around of saying, I, I stumbled across this clip from Chip Roy, who's a Republican congressman from Texas. Um, a lot of times these clips that come from the congressional floor, whether they be in D.C. or they be state legislatures, we've gotten to a point now where these things are kind of theater. You know, they're trying to get up there and create a viral clip. And a lot of times it works. And so I always kind of side eye these things. Okay, are you trying to do performance art here? But this one really struck me. And he absolutely is doing that. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not. He, he is. He's pulling up pictures and some of that you'll hear. But it, it got me, from, especially from watching. I don't know if this will come through an audio or not. We'll try. It really made me mad. Because, yes, some of these things are things that any administration is going to deal with. But this administration does not even freaking care about the things Chip Roy is talking about. Here you go. This is a mobile morgue, a body trailer, needed by counties in South Texas overwhelmed by dead migrants. That particular trailer is filled with these bodies, 27 bodies that were stored in this mobile morgue in South Texas with dead bodies of migrants. Dead bodies like this one found on a ranch just three weeks ago in South Texas, a dead migrant. Somehow that's compassion. How about the dead bodies found by migrants? Compassion. How about the ranchers who had to walk out of their door and this is what they faced, gentlemen with rocks threatening a rancher in South Texas, only able to be saved when they were able to bring their dogs out to scare the people away in order to save themselves. Or the fact that you've got houses being attacked, you've got livestock dead on the side because we've got ranches wide open. How about the little girl here with a brand on her arm? A little girl with a brand on her arm because of your policies. A little girl here in the desert found by ranchers trying to save their life. And how about the lost voices for people dying from fentanyl? And this is from the so-called compassionate people. All these things that have happened are from the compassionate party. You know, the one that cares about the little guy. That's the way they bill themselves. But when, when push comes to shove, they really don't freaking care at all. And if you voted for this, it is on you. Because you believed kids in cages. You believed all that BS because the media told you to. Because your feelings were that you didn't like mean tweet guy. 
This is such a miscarriage of justice that is being deliberately foisted upon our nation. And nobody wants to do anything about it because eh, it'll upset the apple cart of the Democrat Party. The people in power do not care about the people that Chip Roy was talking about just now. These are real people across our whole country, whether you're talking about drugs, whether you're talking about coming across the border, whether you're talking about the corpse wagons that you mentioned at the beginning of that clip. It's, it's really amazing. And no, we can't solve all of it. But you can solve some of it by at least trying. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Old Roy has stuck around. Thanks for doing that. Uh, It's been a good hour. If you want to get the podcast or rewind on the Odyssey app, it's all available or will be here soon because we're still talking. So it's not a podcast yet. It's live. Thanks for being here this morning and this weekend on Wiggins America. Old Roy, uh, you know, we were sort of at the end of last hour concluding a conversation about free speech and about Twitter. And I just just to conclude that really quick, I, I was surprised to hear as somebody who's really, really removed from social media, which I mm. actually appreciate about you because I know there are a lot of you. You know, whenever I say, oh, go find me on Twitter at Radio Wiggins, I know that that's really not a huge portion of the population. Right. But what you were saying was that Twitter has this outsized influence on media and on narratives. <clears throat> and I think you hit on what I've been trying to get across because as we talk about Elon Musk, and so it's this, I would say that's probably the biggest story of the week is Elon Musk buying Twitter. Mm-hmm. But it's not because so many people on Twitter are going to be affected by it. It's because the narratives that come out of Twitter or don't come out of Twitter because they were censored, like the laptop. I and mean, that's the big, big one. Yeah, That stuff, it could not happen again. And that that's the kind of stuff that shapes presidential elections. I mean, the, based on just polling about people who would have changed their vote had they known about the laptop, we'd have a different president right now. Right. So that, to me, is why that's a big story. I agree. Um, the The fact that it, or the hope that it won't be... Yeah. The same kind of influence that it was this past time is a positive for me. Right. Um, I still don't like the fact that I think a lot of media today uses still uses Twitter as their their show prep. You know, they go. Oh, yeah. Go look for the headlines. So if if I don't know how that's going to affect it, is it going to get muddier? Is it going to get. When when you've got a small group of people controlling that narrative. Mm hmm. I guess it's no different than the AP was, you know. Well, the difference, though, is the AP has gatekeepers who hire certain people based on what they like about them. And hopefully that's just you're a good writer reporter. Mm -hmm. But it also very much could be and probably is ideological like any other big, you know, newspaper or anything. Mm -hmm. Twitter's not that. Anybody can get on there. And then if you just happen to strike lightning get a ton of followers, and you can follow whoever you want. You don't have to follow the New York Times. You don't have mm-hmm. to follow, you know, you can build something on there, and that's that's why it's a big deal to me and to, I think, a lot of conservatives especially is that, well, there are lots of people on there building a whole lot of things, and they've been throttled. And the big story this week, if you've heard, yeah, I mean, I personally have had probably 10% more followers this week than I've ever had before, and I don't even have a ton of people on there. I just, you know, I'm just doing this show. But those who have in the hundreds of thousands of followers, they've seen an additional like 50 to 100,000 followers this week. Just show up. 
So you're like, yeah. what the heck is that? I've got theories on what that is. A lot of people are saying, well, it's just a lot more people are engaging on Twitter because they know it's about to be freer. That's possible. I've heard other people saying, well, they removed the algorithm that throttles people. That's possible. I think that they probably did. Here's my theory. They removed the algorithm that throttles conservatives and probably boosts leftists on purpose to try to drive leftists off the site on their way out the door. Basically make it to where left pe- left-leaning people think, oh, great, here goes this website. I don't even want to be here anymore. Yeah. That they're trying to trash it. That's just my personal guess. Yeah, it could be. Or that it's not even really related to the <clears throat> algorithm itself, but they, they've deliberately boosted conservatives to try to show this is what Elon Musk is going to do. He's going to boost conservatives. He's going to get rid of the liberals. I don't know. It's possible. I... <laughs> And I I like conspiracy theories, but I think this one might just be a natural interest. Yeah, I mean, just I, people getting back on it. More people. I mean, every time they've tried to do a liberal network or a progressive, you know, radio station, or they never work. No, they, there's just not. So I think what they by throttling the conservatives, they've created this false impression that liberal ideas have more. Merit and, Merit. Yeah, and reach. But yeah. I, I don't, I think there may be a grand plan there, maybe a strategy, but I think a lot of it is, like you said, they just either, because they're going to be under scrutiny now, somebody turned off that that throttling algorithm, or just more people are saying, hey, now it's going to be open again, I'll get back on. I don't yeah. know. Uh, real quick before we hit the top of the hour, and we do have a script at the end of this bit. We've been waiting all morning to do this, so... Stick around in like a couple minutes. We're going to play that. Uh, it, it's got Old Roy, myself, and Trisha on it. Trisha's not in the room right now, but we recorded these ahead of time, so we didn't have to do them live. This is one of those let's get scripted blinds, so we can play it whenever. We're going to do that here in a minute. Real quick, though, watch this. Watch this. you have any suggestions for streaming this weekend? I do, but I, I thought you had a good one that I haven't seen. We started watching... Uh, Outer Range. Um, it's on Prime? It's on, I believe it's on Prime. It's, um, oh, what's the guy's name? I'm blanking on it. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin's in it. I think I know more about this series than you do, apparently. I just don't remember names. <laughs> I'm old. But but it's it's kind of a sci-fi kind of a... Western? I, it happens out west. Okay. So it's not, it's more, more rancher. Than, so is it contemporary? Yes. Okay, so it's not yeah. an old Western. No. Okay, no, so it's just, it happens out West. It happens out West. General plot, just really quick. Uh, the guy finds this big hole in his out on one of his uh, pastures that's just this weird like black hole thing, and it's in the ground, and he can't figure it out, and it's some there's some time. Things are getting screwy, and strange things are happening, and... They're just, they just, it's interesting because they're teasing the oddity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's moving kind of slow. As long as they provide answers at the end of it, I'm fine with it. Because I, I, I love mystery. I love sci fi mystery, especially. Like, I'm super interested in watching that. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, if they've set up a big grand mystery, and then if they answer 20% of it, or they make you feel like, well, the characters got their comeuppance they're all they're all satisfied or they're not you know they're bad guys i hate that crap yeah 
set up a mystery and then tell me what it was because that's what you're teasing. Yeah. That's basically somebody tease, 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 and at the end they just leave. That that's not okay with me. That's cheap writing. Right. And then and if you just keep adding more mystery without ever mm-hmm. I, I giving love, yeah. any satisfaction. I mean, throw out a little bit of a mystery, solve a little bit of it, but then add another mystery. I love that. That would be yeah. great. But if if we're only two episodes in, so I don't I'm not expecting the world, but it it is moving kind of slow. And they just keep adding, and so far they haven't they haven't answered yeah. anything yet. And so, well, I'm okay with adding mystery upon mystery as long as, even if it's in the last sixty seconds of the series, somebody goes, "Hey, you know all those mysteries? <laughs> Guess what they were?" And then just stands in front of a whiteboard and like draws it. I don't care as long as you end it for me, and if you do it in a good way, great. But as long as you're saying I'm teasing this because there's answers, I'm fine. It's the ones that don't ever answer their own mysteries that just make me so mad. As long as it doesn't become another lost. Exactly. Where, where they just gave up. And yeah. Let's just keep this thing going and we'll make something else up now. Well, that's what a lot of them do is that they, so like even if you answer 80 to 90% of it, but you leave a little bit of mystery, I'm okay with that mm-hmm. because that, that feels like, oh, there's something else coming. A lot of people want to leave it open for sequels mm-hmm. or future movie or whatever. That's okay. It's just... The central issue of your show has to at least be quelled. You have to satisfy that question yeah. that made me want to watch the show initially. Mm-hmm. So I don't fault writers for leaving, you know, some hanging wires and stuff. That's okay, but you got to solve the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, this morning we are almost out of time, but thirty seconds. We reset. We come back. We bring you this week's script. You tell us how it was at Radio Wiggins if you're on Twitter. If you're not like most people, then don't worry about it. You're just like old Roy. See you next week. From the people who brought you a horror culture of unpredictable pronouns. Please welcome Gabriella. She's a new... I go by Gabe and he. Comes a brand new phase of grammatical horror to keep you on the edge of your seat during any and all conversations henceforth. Prepositions. Can you send me an email with the info? No, but I will send you an email from the info. What? Use the wrong preposition, get canceled. Hi there, come on in. I do not identify or acknowledge on in. For me, it's come along down. All right, (laughs) come along down in? Ah, my feelings! Plus a twist you could have never expected. Full confusing prepositional phrases. There's somebody waiting in the lobby. What did you say? I said there's somebody waiting in the lobby. You mean there's somebody... Between the front door and the front desk. Okay, yes, there's truth in there. The truth is among there. It's the horror sequel to pronouns you never saw coming. Prepositions. Taking America by storm. Soon. Sorry. Get more at 971talk.com. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 